What she said. You're a liar! Making two kids run around doing all the work because you're too scared to do it yourself? Making me tell her it's over because you're too scared. You said you loved her and you lied. You gave up on her and she gave up on you. Just like everybody else. I trusted you. Bonfires from crosses and wolf's eye. Bullshit! Every single thing you told me was a lie! You never cared about her and you never cared about us! Not enough to matter. You used us. You made me a thief! <laughs> Sequel. Re re reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters, and thank you for tuning in to Ruined Childhoods, a podcast celebrating cult and classic films and imagining how we could bring them back today with something fresh. We're a few episodes into our current series in which we pick a movie representing each U.S. state. Since we're going alphabetically, we're following up on our Arizona episode, 1993's Tombstone, with a film made nearly 20 years later, filmed and set in the landlocked area of the United States known as the Natural State. But don't confuse its state insect, the Western Honeybee, with the state's governor, the similarly named Sarah Sanders Huckabee. This state's official beverage is milk, dance is square, and gemstone is diamond. That's right, the state is Arkansas, and today we're talking about the Jeff Nichols drama that would be called Dirt if it didn't take place around so much water. Dan, have you ever seen Mud before? I have never Arkansas it previously. Okay. So this was your this was your first time watching yeah, it. Yeah, was this yours? We, well, we we mentioned this at the at the end of the last episode. I may have seen it. The right. problem is I don't know if I remembered watching mud or killer joe because i feel like they had like it was like a matthew mcconaughey serious movie a mysterious just... we don't know who this guy is yeah i've never seen killer joe but i'm I re- i'm familiar with the play oh okay it's based well, on a go. play so yeah yes well before we get too deep into matthew mcconaughey and mud i have one more thing i wanted to mention about Tombstone. Yeah. And it is a quick one. So uh, on our last episode, we talked about the Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer ensemble film Tombstone. And we were talking a little bit about the character played by Jason Priestley and uh, how he maybe had some sort of romantic relationship with Billy Zane's character, who is this, you know, actor who comes to town with this, you know, performing arts group, essentially. You know, we mentioned a few things that like kind of hinted at it. And we talked about how uh, Billy Breckenridge, uh, Jason Priest's character, was kind of like buddies with the bad guys, but kind of like everybody. He was just kind of like, a guy who was around and, you know, seemed to just be a friendly, a friendly figure. I, I kind of got the impression it, it, he was kind of like the bullies didn't pick on him and let let him hang out with them. So he was like, I'm just going to kind of chill with that because otherwise the bullies would be beating beating up on me. Well, that's that's kind of like Beach Boys. I get around rules where 
My buddies and me are getting real well known. The bad guys know us, but they leave us alone. Not like Help Me Ronda rules, which we'll get to. <laughs> which we'll get to. So what I wanted to mention is that there was a moment that I did not pick up on all of the times I had seen Tombstone. I think because I was, I kind of had that idea in the back of my mind. You know, we were talking about how nobody seemed to really pick on him for maybe having a, a relationship with a man. And uh, when I was pulling a clip for the last episode for the for the very beginning, the intro, uh, it's kind of coming right off of this moment where, you know, the gunfight at the OK Corral happens and uh, Billy Breckenridge walks up to the guys and he says how upset he is. And he's like, those guys are my friends. And he walks away and from like the Earps and everything. And, and after he walks away, Wyatt says all they ever did was laugh at him. And I never picked up on that. It's such a subtle kind of throwaway line. But in context to what we were talking about, it's like, huh, like there was so much more going on with him that, you know, even you and I who have seen this movie a bunch of times, like didn't really pick up on. But I think that it was because I was just observing it freshly thinking about Billy Breckenridge's relationship with, uh, I forget the name of Billy Zane's character, but- yeah, interesting, huh? Billy Zane. Uh, yeah, yeah. He just plays as himself. That's really interesting. I never <laughs> noticed that before. I guess you know, just not having that lens and not looking for that in that scene. So I thought that that was worth mentioning because you know we kind of uh, just reference these kind of two little moments that the two of them kind of have or whatever, and then nothing else. And it's like, oh, there was this one other thing where, you know, there's there's other life that we don't see in Tombstone, Arizona during this time. We only see the stuff going on with like the Earps or, you know, Doc Holliday. And there's certainly other things going on, more mundane things probably that. It's all in that three hour cut with, (laughs) with, with authentic real mustaches and lightning. Yeah. There you go. The best, I, I don't think I brought up, but while we're just on Tombstone, before we move on, I, I was going back through my notes and I think one of my favorite things was when George uh, Cosmatos was just kind of going on about the real, the authenticity of the mustaches and the mm-hmm. real. And then it's like, he's, and the best, I, what I love about his commentary is uh, at least 60% of it is just him narrating what is, is happening. But he talks about it with enthusiasm and he goes like, and in comes Kurt with his real mustache. And- well, that's because that was his responsibility on the movie is the authenticity. <laughs> that's kind of what he was tasked with. Kurt was like, you make sure that the mustaches and the lightning are real and I'll take care of everything else. Yeah, and we'll put your name on the poster and everybody will be happy. Well, Dan, I uh, I think it's really appropriate that we're that we just kind of talked a little bit about the the natural beauty of Tombstone, Arizona, the natural lightning that took place because uh, the movie Mud has such gorgeous cinematography and really captures Southern Arkansas in a from a really fascinating lens. Uh, I think that what you know, Jeff Nichols, who wrote and directed this movie, really brings to it is a a real admiration and passion for this part of the world. Um, you know, he's from Little Rock. He's, yep. Mm-hmm. And his prior, I think, two movies were also set in Arkansas. And uh, he, you know, just really wanted to showcase these other slices of life and tell these stories of these people who exist on the in these other 
types parts of, of the world um, that you and I are not from. And yeah. Are have not you ever been to Arkansas? So actually, I was going to ask you if you'd ever been to, to I that have, area. But not. I've never been to southern Arkansas. I've been to northern Arkansas, like the Ozarks. Uh, I went uh, for a weekend to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which is a really lovely little, you know, mountainy town. Yeah. How about okay. you? I've never been to Arkansas, but I've been to Texarkana, the okay. region uh, of Arkansas, Texas, and Louisiana, uh, uh, kind yes. of where they all meet. I've just been on the Louisiana and Texas sides of it. But a lot of the imagery, you know, you bring up the cinematography and the way that it's shot and the authenticity of it. I like, you know, like I said, I've never lived there. But something that I appreciated and, you know, researching Jeff Nichols and seeing that, yes, you know, he is from Arkansas and I, I feel like he is telling stories, at, or at least with Mud, is telling a story that shows you, like you said, the slice of life, shows you just kind of who are these people. And I, I what I like, and I, I don't think he necessarily was like making it for, you know, quote unquote, coastal elites. No, no, no. But I think that what this, what I appreciated about this is I didn't see the movie, and actually right now it is I'm drawing a blank on on the title, but there was that movie Mud. with Glenn Close and I think Amy Adams, and it was that, like, who wrote it? That, like, what's-his-face, J.D. Vance? Is that his name? Who wrote it? I forget the name of it. Oh, Ron oh Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. And which... I said, what about Hillbilly Elegy? <laughs> I can't, like... I don't know why, but I think that every time I see Hillbilly Elegy. And I said, oh, that's the name of the film. And as I recall, I think you saw Uh, it. Nobody liked it. Nobody liked it. Uh, Anyway, that's not true because, well, people appreciated Glenn Close's performance. Okay. Anyway, getting, I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to stray, but I got the impression that kind of the subtext of that movie was like, Hey, coastal elites, we, we like things just fine our way and we don't want to be told how to change. I don't know. Maybe I'm just basing that on JD Vance. Well, I, what I got from this story and it being set where it's set is that, well, it, hold on one second. Are you talking oh, about Hillbilly Elegy? No, 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 no. What I'm okay. talking about for Mud. Right. Yeah. So what I get from Mud is that it's less of, uh, you know, that type of thing, which I totally get what you're saying with Hillbilly Elegy, but it's more a, like what Fargo is, where it's like, you know, you never know what's happening down the road or down the river. Uh, you know, strange things could be ha- like There could be a fugitive hiding on a tiny island and you and, right. and also it's like you never know who your who your neighbors really are. Right. And uh, we we learned that about Sam Shepard's character. Well, and what I get from this, so I so I kind of watched it with the lens of like what does this tell me or show me about Arkansas or at least about that yeah. area of Arkansas. I, I wrote down I said people don't want complicated. They have their values and their way of life and that it's live and let live. And it's very much like, and this is where we're probably going to need a synopsis soon. I got one for you. The attitude towards life living on the river. Sure. So I did uh, watch it with director commentary, which I thought was really a really fantastic commentary track. 
I don't frequently love commentary tracks where it's just one person talking, but mm-hmm. in this case, Jeff Nichols was really fantastic. And uh, what I got from it is that he had a lot of admiration for everybody that made this movie come together. The actors, the cinematographers, the the first ADs. Like he he mentions people and the kind of things that they did that were really exceptional. And I really appreciated that about it. And also it wasn't a like, oh yeah, look at that shot. That's so cool. You know, it was uh really fascinating. And one of the things that he uh, talked about, well, first of all, of course, he's really inspired by Mark Twain. You know, it's a very Mark yeah. Twainy kind of a kind of a story. Absolutely. But also, uh, he was very much inspired by a book that he saw. I think that it was about like like houseboats in Arkansas, like or houseboats along the Mississippi or something like that. And it was like a photo coffee table book, and mm-hmm. he just kind of had this idea in mind. I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this after I do a little synopsis, but also. Man, oh man, does this guy have something in common with us? He loves Michael Shannon. Well, yeah, he he must. I mean... They've worked together on every single one of his movies. Yeah. All right. You ready for a synopsis? Oh, oh yeah. After Ellis, a 14-year-old boy living on a houseboat on a southern Arkansas river, learns about his parents' plans to divorce, he seeks for signs of true love in uncommon places. Aside from getting something going on with an older girl in town or looking to his best pal Neckbone's uncle's romantic exploits, he and Neckbone meet Mud, a man wanted for committing a crime of passion, murdering a man who is abusive to the love of his life, Juniper. Seeing an opportunity to help two lost souls in love, Ellis does what he can to help Mud on his mission to rebuild a salvaged boat and reconnect with Juniper before he is found by a group of bounty hunters who are led by the father and brother of the man he killed. So, uh, big, big shout out to this, like, really incredible cast. You know, Matthew McConaughey as Mud, who was always Jeff Nichols. Like, he kind of wrote it with Matthew McConaughey in mind. And as we'll talk about probably more in a little bit, this was not when Matthew McConaughey was, like, white hot. This was, you know, right after he had, you know, had his, like, first bout of success with, like, rom-coms and Sahara and stuff. And it kind of, like, dipped down a little. Yeah, so, right. This was, I love think- that. Like, yeah, post-failure to launch. Yes, yes. Uh, And then as Juniper, we have Reese Witherspoon, who we've talked about recently on our Sweet Home Alabama episode. Um, You know, a real... Reese is just following us. (laughs) Yeah. What's the deal, Reese? She did not join us in Alaska, but... um... I'd be surprised if she was able to, considering we were in 1925. Um, And in 1993, she was... Was she starting to do stuff as a kid yet? I, I want to say Man in the Moon was 93, which I okay. think was her film. De- might have been her film debut. It was like she her was, first big. Yeah. So she was just getting started around then. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people who are kind of just getting started, we got Ty Sheridan as Ellis, who is mm-hmm. the, you know, the real core of this film, the real main character. Uh, Ty Sheridan, who was in Ready Player One. Good actor. Yeah, good actor. And especially a as a kid movie than Ready Player One. I know. Yeah, yeah. Good actor. He's got a he's got a great right hook. <laughs> well, I watched I watched uh Mud and then I did watch Ready Player One because I was like, Oh yeah, I kinda wanna watch that just because it's Ty Sheridan. I kinda wanna see him like that. And uh th- these two movies have one thing in common 
is that his character is very quick to tell women that he loves them. Oh, seriously. <laughs> uh, just by the way, have you ever read the book Ready no. Player One? Okay. Yeah. It, it, it is. I'm, I don't love like references. You know, oh, where it's you just like it, yeah. Easter eggs and it's no, it's all about that kind of stuff. The book is definitely all about that, but it's much more fun as a book than a movie. Mm. And there are just there are a lot of there were a lot of decisions with the like with the movie that I feel like were bad decisions that I was like the obvious decision would have been the better decision and was not yeah. taken. But anyway, Got it. with mud, I feel like all the right choices were made. Very yeah, I absolutely agree. Especially uh, in casting, so uh, and especially in casting, especially you know, no name plucked out of nowhere, Jacob Laughlin as Neckbone, who's loved, just fantastic, uh, great character, um, playing uh, this guy Tom Blankenship, who is kind of like Mud's kind of father figure, surrogate father, yeah, f- yeah. from the past is Sam Shepard, who is absolutely iconic and. Uh, I didn't recognize him at first because I'm not right. used to seeing him with such short, high and tight hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, right. Uh, he looked great. He was so good. And, uh, just great. Great. And I don't know him. if I've watched much with him in it since he's passed away. So uh, yeah. it was nice to nice to see him. Uh, we have Roy McKinnon as senior Ellis's dad. Really uh, nice Sarah, performance. Very really, good performance. Yeah. Sarah Paulson as his mom, as Ellis's mom. Sarah Paulson's always amazing. Sarah Paulson's always amazing. Michael Shannon as Galen, who's Neckbone's uncle, but has raised Neckbone yeah. because Neckbone's parents took off after you know he was born. Love this performance. He's a it's like a uh, not a clam digger. But he's, you know, just kind he's like like an oyster. Is it, or... is it clams, oysters? But anyway, he's, you know, he kind of like uh, dives in the river with like a partner and this crazy like homemade. He's like a DIY helmet. scuba. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing, and um, it looks he, like like the old like the original like I I think of the movie like Men of Honor, which is like when like the first scuba training with like a giant oh, helmet yeah. that well. And what I found out from the the commentary, and then you look at it and you're just like, oh, yeah, that contraption that he's wearing to dive is made from a hot water heater. And it's okay. like, oh, yeah, of course it is. And it's I like, you it's, me Michael Shannon made it himself, which I Michael would, Shannon. I have well, no Michael Shannon. Believing. So, uh, you know, also big ups to Michael Shannon, who was filming Man of Steel at this time and got permission to like take a few weeks off to like film this or you know arrange the schedule so he could come and do this so what a different character from general zod uh (laughs) to to galen the the dude who um you know is always wearing a wetsuit or he probably uh, listens to help me rondo when he's sleeping with women he probably enjoyed acting on like you know actual sets with actual people yeah, oh, I'm sure. Well, also, you know, it's Jeff Nichols who he's done no. a few movies with already yeah. and knows and trusts. And it's like, yeah, of course I'll come do this. I, I feel you. like Michael Shannon, like he's someone who can like, you know, kind of find the fun in doing the green screen movies. But he's like kind of more of an actor's actor. Michael Shannon. So first of all, he uh, recently became kind of memed a little bit because he did, um, you know, Criterion does these uh, like social media videos where they have celebrities come in and look through the like the DVDs and they can oh, like, yeah. take some with them and 
Uh, at the end, he's got like a bag of like his DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever, and he's just like, "Well, I'm a, I'm just such a happy boy." <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, and he's just so like endearing and soft spoken, and um, it's really funny, and it gets it gets used a lot for you know people trying to just express like ple- <laughs> like like mild pleasure. <laughs> that's that's great. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm I'm looking it up right now. But uh, did Michael Shannon not just uh, like kind of direct do his like directorial feature debut? Oh, did he really? I be- I believe it. Like I I don't know which uh, film festival it was, but I want to say he directed something. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm I, on I, hold hold well, tight. I'm on. Well, you're Wikipedia while you're doing that, I'll just mention. Uh, I'll just mention uh, some of the other movies that uh, Jeff Nichols did that Michael Shannon's in, you know, including, um, the upcoming, the bike riders, which is another one that's also written by Jeff Nichols. And then he's in that with Austin Butler and Tom Hardy, which is, it's going to be so good. Jody Comer's that's in getting it. a lot of, uh, love it looks press. really good. It looks really yeah. good. And, you know, as somebody who did not love Elvis, I thought that Austin Butler was so not right. <laughs> he looks really good in the bike riders. And so if, doing Elvis gave him the ability to do bike riders, then cool. Uh, So Jeff Nichols and Michael Shannon also did the biographical film Loving, which uh, was from 2016 with our boy Jesse Plemons. Uh, Midnight Special, which we've talked about before on this podcast. Uh, Joel Edgerton, Kirsten Dunst, Adam Driver. Uh, Sam Shepard's also in that one. And that was, uh, both of those were 2016. And then uh, Before Mud, the year before, they did Take Shelter together. And then in 2007, they did a film called uh, Shotgun Stories. Okay. So, yeah. And uh, and, and to bring it back around, uh, Michael Shannon's directorial debut, Eric LaRue. Yeah. Yeah, it was at the Tribeca Festival in June. So that's what I was thinking of. And I don't so know. So that's with Alexander Sarsgaard, Judy Greer. Paul Allison Sparks Hill. is in that, who is also in Mud. Paul mm-hmm. Sparks, who I first knew uh, from his appearance on House of Cards. Um, he was the, I guess, journalist who started a relationship with Robin Wright's character. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I watched that far, but. Yes. Oh, really? And then as his father is Joe Don Baker, who's so good. Great seeing Joe Don Baker in this movie. Always good to see Joe Don Baker. And he's and he's perfect for this kind of a role. You know, he's the father of the the person that Mud murdered. And he his very stern face says a lot without actually using words. I get the impression he's some type of like like boss, some type like, you know, similar to a far like Fargo the TV show. Like he's got some type of crime. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they're they're bounty hunters. I, you know. Yeah. That's kind I, of their family business. Oh, okay. Is that is that what what it is? Um, I I believe so. I mean, all I of the I just thought that he hired the bounty hunters to track No, no, down no, no, no. It's it's his son that got killed. Right. I know. Yeah. I know, but that's why I thought that he and his son Oh, no. hired the bounty hunters. 
No, I think that they are the bounty hunters because when why would like, you when, kill someone whose family is in the bounty bounty hunting business? That's just well, it's a crime of passion, Dan. It's not a crime. Did you of not passion. listen to the it was, synopsis? It was premeditated. <laughs> there, but it was it was a premeditated crime of passion. No, I think that I, it, I, those two things can happen when it comes to it mud. Was, it was it was a love related crime, but yeah. Anyway, we're not gonna. We won't. Get I don't into remember semantics. if it said that he necessarily like hatched a plan to to kill the guy. I mean, I don't think she was there when it, so like, I don't think it, it would have been a crime of passion if he like found out and then was just like, oh, killed him right then and there. But if he like found out and he was like, oh, that's what happened. Oh, that dude. Oh, okay. I'm going out. Like he had to drive somewhere. So we know that he shot him. That's been established that he, you know, he shot the guy. I don't remember if it went into much detail about you know, the specifics of the death, because this is all from Mud's telling of it. You know, we, we don't get the story from anybody else. But Juniper, that much I we believe, don't know. Is not, was not there when it happened. I don't know if that matters. I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, so I thought that, yeah, I so I thought that the way that the boys kind of come across mud it was really great you know they hear uh, somebody tells them that there's this boat that's up in a tree on this like island that's not that there's nothing else there and it's like of course two 14 year old boys are gonna want to see yeah. what's going on there and then when they get there it's there's porno mags it's amazing and then when they discover that there's been somebody living there uh that's when things you know take a turn and uh everything uh should be telling them to like get away from this guy. You know, he's a dirty, probably very smelly weirdo. And then uh, when he tells the story about, you know, his love for Juniper and he's describing her to them and, you know, he, uh, you know, he's just trying to like escape with her. And then uh, when Ellis like sees Juniper, it's like it clicks for him and he's just like, I'm going to help this dude. It's pretty, it it works for me. Yeah, well, I think just, you know, Ellis wanting to believe that there's some type of like, you know, true, like love conquers all. Yeah. He's so desperate for that. You see that in his relationship with uh, um, May. May Pearl. May Pearl, right. Um, Played by Bonnie Sturdivant. Yeah. What a great character name too, May, May Pearl. May Pearl. But yeah. like Ellis, just like when when he sees and and he so is like, you know, wants to be valiant. And, you know, he steps in when he sees that May Pearl's, you know, getting. Well, he's quick to throw a punch. He and is he and quick, are alike in that way. Well, yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, kind of comes to her, her rescue and, you know, well, yeah, it she, all works out for him. Or so he thinks or so he thinks, you know, he comes on really strong. He comes on extremely strong. Like, you know, they're they're finally like hanging out one night and he gets like one kiss and is like, will you be my girlfriend? Yeah. And she doesn't really answer. She's just like, hmm, whatever, dumb kid. But then like he gets pretty intense about it. But, yeah. you know, he's going he through no, a ton. He has no idea. Like he doesn't no, know. He doesn't what know. Like who? What are his experiences outside of like hanging around with Neck, no, and like yeah. what he hears from Galen, and like he's just re he reads Galen's books. 
Yeah, Galen has these like workbooks on like how to pick up chicks and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's kind of like the uh, with Napoleon Dynamite and his was it his uncle or his brother? Oh, uncle Rico. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that, but like just much more believable and much less obnoxious. Well, what I really love, uh, one of my one scene that I really love is when Galen kind of sits down with Ellis and is just like, hey, you don't have to listen to me, but, you know, let me tell you a little bit about the song Help Me Rhonda. And what it's about is, you know, when you get your heart broken, you find somebody else to help you, you know, melt, like mend your heart. It's a really kind of nice moment. It's like his friend's uncle, but the uncle's still like, you know, he doesn't look at these kids like they're little kids. He kind of respects them as people. What I really appreciate about his character, because he also has like, you know, um, like a really nice moment with Neck, too, where he's just like, hey, like, you know, is everything all right? You know, anything you want. And I, what I loved about the character is he's not someone like he is accepting the role that he has been given as this, you know, caregiver. And he kind of understands that he is not the ideal caregiver, but the fact that he owns that and is just like, I might not be like the textbook, like, you know, the guy who you want showing up to, you know, your, your parent teacher conference per se, but he's like, I'm here and I care. So I think the fact that he doesn't try to be anything he isn't actually, you know, makes him this really, you know, kind of cool father. There's so much father son stuff in this movie. Yeah. But there's a really amazing moment that Galen has with Neckbone. And uh, what I love about it is just because it felt so real. And I feel like, Michael Shannon's acting is what like, you know, takes kind of the story and kind of brings you into reality a little bit They're you know, they're having this talk and then Neckbone's going to go and, uh, you know, Galen's just like noodling around on his guitar and he's just like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, Oz is going to come over in a bit to mess around. You want to hang? And he's just like, no, he's like, all right, well, I'll just get you later. Like, it's just like a nothing yeah. line, but it felt so like natural and it kind of builds the world a little bit where it's just like, oh yeah, well, he's got these buddies and sometimes they come over and they play guitar and stuff. It's genuine. But also what I really like about that is by that point of the movie, and I didn't really think about this at the time, but then when you mention it, at that point in the movie, we've established their relationship. And as a viewer, you're not like worried for yeah. Neckbone that like his degenerate uncle and his friends are just going to like get wasted with no. this like kid. No, like you said, they're going to, you know, good, clean play guitar fun. and hang out. Right. Good, clean Arkansas fun. Yeah. They're so, not troublemaker. He's not a troublemaker kind of guy. You know, maybe he's not so great with the women that he brings back, but it doesn't seem like he's a disruptive figure. I, oh God. He's just kind of an asshole to women, I think. Yeah. So I, I did find two of the quotes from Galen that I love so much. So this is when he's talking to Ellis. He goes, so you get your heart broke. Don't walk around with a shit look on your face. Get back in there and get your tip wet. You hear me? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and then this is actually a neck bone line, but he, when he goes, I know I'm just your uncle, not a parent, but you can tell me things if if need to. And Neckbone goes, I can tell you this helmet smells like my duck butter. 
which is so gross. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Yeah. The it, the way Michael Shannon delivers a lot after the like the, when the girl runs out uh, of, oh, yeah. of the the trailer and, and he's like, Well, no, this I learned something about you now. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like I didn't know. I thought you were into that. Yeah. And now I <laughs> Yeah. It's it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it, we, we haven't even talked about Mud, the character Mud. No. Uh you know, he is this this dreamer, this drifter. You know, this guy who, you know, he knows he did something wrong, but he, in his in his heart of hearts, knows that he did it for the right reasons. Right, yes. And, uh, yeah. and that's not something that he knows people will understand. You know, that's just impossible. And uh, Matthew McConaughey is kind of perfect for this role. Yeah. He's great. I can't think I of mean, anybody else... Who would have made sense to it, be in that in that position? It requires shirtlessness. It requires a lot of shirtlessness. That is true. And the way that he scarfs down that beanie weenie, I don't know who else could pull that off. Oh, no. Yeah, with the fingers, the two finger scoop. <laughs> oh, oh it's so God. good. And yeah, just his commitment is is really admirable. And, you know, there were some uh there were some things that Jeff Nichols mentioned in the commentary. Where, you know, he's talking about things like there's a moment where, uh, you know, they're kind of going through the thing and we are, we have established that there is this area that has some snakes in it. And he says, oh, well, here, tie this rope around your waist. The snakes won't bite you because they'll get confused or whatever. And he was like, you know, I heard that from somebody once and I'm assuming it's true. I don't know. And then like, but it's like, it sounds like the kind of thing that Mud would say or... You know, you can only get the snake anti-venom once uh, because once it's in your system, you can't, you know, get it again. It won't work a second time. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if that's true. I heard that from somebody once, but, you know, it's kind of better to to not know for the sake of the story yeah. and just think like whether it's true or not, that's the kind of thing that Mud would say to somebody. And because they say it so convincingly, you believe them. And it doesn't matter yeah. if it's true. It serves the story. And it if Mud believes it himself, then it makes sense that Mud would so passionately help out when Ellis does get bitten by a snake. Well, I mean, also, like, for one, we kind of, it gets established that Mud is, a car- as Mud puts it, um, you know, doesn't traffic in the truth too often. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not, I wouldn't be out of character for mud to just kind of say something because it sounds good or, or like, you know, he's not really thinking about it, but just like you said, oh, this is something I heard once. Yeah. Another really nice touch. And, and I don't know, you know, who's, who made this, this call, but, um, his teeth. Yeah. He's got like a cracked tooth. He's got like his teeth. Do not look like his teeth looked the way that they should yes. look for so a character like this. So what I did learn is that in the script, he's supposed to be like missing a tooth. And Matthew McConaughey actually on his own, without being asked to do this, like went and talked to a dentist, found out what it would take to like remove a tooth and then later have it like a new one put in or something. And it they just didn't do it. But so they put like a prosthetic in that looks very convincing, and it works for the character. Of course, he'd have a, yeah. a chipped tooth. 
Yeah. Sorry. Just looking at it, it's those nice, it's those touches that, I mean, it's honest, it's something that I, I think I look at with a lot of movies and something that I notice with a lot of movies and I just kind of let go. But it, it's kind of like when you're like, how does your hair look that, you know, styled yeah. for, you know, whether it is like, you know, you've just crawled through, you know, 60 yards of, of sewer, you know, escaping a prison. How is oh. your hair so so well in place or the, the perfect teeth, things like that? And you just kind of let it go. But I like looking at it and be like, oh, yeah, no, that's authentic. Mud looks like somebody who smells bad. Whose name is Mud. Whose name is Mud. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Mud. Yeah, I mean, and did Jeff Nichols t- like? Did he get it from that phrase? I, I don't know that you didn't really go into that, but it's no. uh, it just kind of, everything about it like works for him. And uh, Matthew McConaughey did a lot of great work in this that shows through in the next like string of movies that he ends up doing. And yeah, you know what's really impressive, and I know that like this wasn't like all one take or something, but like when he runs, he's carrying Ellis oh. after Ellis gets bit, and he like runs onto the the boat, like kicking the boat off the shore, like as he's yeah. running on, and then when he runs off and like jumps onto the the dirt the, bike, the moped, yeah. like the dirt bike carrying Ellis the whole well, time. The way that he jumps off of the dirt bike when he gets into the yes. hospital and is still holding yes. him and is just like jumps off it into a run. It's just like, damn, he's good. Like he's it's yeah. so like I'm like, I don't care if there's like cinematic tricks being played here, but I don't think also so. probably not because I don't think this is a movie. <laughs> That really relies on cinematic tricks. In fact, it's another thing that I really, really liked about it was just the way that the story unfolded and it just kind of naturally. Well, and I think this is a Jeff Nichols. This is a, something that is characteristic of what I've seen. from yeah. Jeff Nichols. Yeah. Well, loving somebody so much that you become kind of superhuman when it comes to like protecting them. And like mud, the way that yes. Mud loves Ellis after this time that they've had together and will risk his, you know, he kind of just forgets entirely about the fact that people are hunting him and trying to, you know, take him down for this murder. That doesn't matter when it comes to protecting somebody he cares about. It does. He doesn't until until he knows that Ellis is being taken care of. Then, then reality hits him like a exactly hits him hits him again. And that moment is so good. But and you know that's also something that uh, like Midnight Special yeah. has with um, Michael Shannon's characters his devotion to his again yeah. we have more father son yeah. you know what what he's willing to uh, you know to do. But just the 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 way that the stories are told, what I like about the filmmaking is just that it just allows you to sit back and enjoy the story. It doesn't force things upon you. It doesn't try to dictate how you feel mm-hmm. or how you should feel or even what you should think about the characters. It gives you um, the story. I mean, it plays like a good novel. Yeah where it just unfolds and where you're just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, an incredibly engaging film, you know, for a movie that is, you know, a drama that's over two hours long, you know, by a few minutes. It's amazing how well this movie can hold your attention and really get you to connect 
and care for these people. It's great. I, I think it's really lovely. And um, I'm glad that we're covering it for the show. And that's, you know, the three main factors. And we, we've kind of talked about them all. The Well, I guess the, the writing, writing and, and direction of it, the acting and the cinematography, it goes a long way yeah. in this movie. Absolutely. And the other I mean, the other elements are all there. The fact I like, you know, the the the, mu- the presence of music is sure. great a, score, a, effective, but light. It's not too much. Yeah, no, it, it works and it feels very authentic to the region. Uh, there is one song in it that was written by Jeff Nichols brother, who's in a band. Um, right. And, you know, they're just uh, it, it fits. It fits really well with the. Uh, with the story and with the feeling, the whole vibe of the, of the film. Um, you know what it kind of like a uh, vibe wise kind of reminded me of was a uh, crazy heart. Oh yeah. I really liked crazy heart. I really liked crazy heart. Yeah. yeah. So we sure yeah, love I Jeff just, Bridges, uh, oh. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I dug. So I really dug this, this movie what do you what do you say john what what would you do with it well i feel like the story of mud is best left told like you know ambiguous and but i mean what i mean is the character of mud but i am very interested to know what may have come of ellis and neckbones i don't know antics you know like perhaps there's something else that's gone on in their lives maybe something else that maybe just fo- uh, focuses on neckbone Because he has a whole rich story that we don't even get too much into. You know, we just get those little glimpses when, uh, you know, Galen kind of gives us some information about his role in Neckbone's life. But, you know, this is Ellis's story. And I'd I'd be curious to know a little bit more about Neckbone. So it's not like a fully formed, like, here's what's going to happen. But I wouldn't mind seeing something that kind of takes place still in this universe that focuses on, on Neckbone. And you know what? Galen too. I mean, because you know we love us some Michael Shannon. <laughs> Any excuse. Any excuse. Yeah, that kind of goes along. So I was thinking about it, and what I really wanted to see more of, based on watching this movie, was was really just. And this could be like stories that take place in this same, yeah. you know, connected to these characters. You know, to see other stories that are in, you know, kind of strange things are afoot at the Piggly Wiggly. Kind of. Yeah. Little 14 year olds punching out seniors. Yeah. Not senior citizens, high school seniors. <laughs> no, no, no. High school students. Yeah. What I'm like, you know what? I want more stories of just that are really about what life can be like in places like you know, like Southern Arkansas, places that for me, where I've never, never been to. Yeah. Cause it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you think about it and I'm like, oh, I want authentic stories that tell me about that. And then I try to think about movies that are set in, you know, like New York City. And I'm like, what, what are some movies that, and that, that people would watch and get an actual authentic idea of what life in New York city is like. And I'm like running through the list. I'm like, I can't think of this. I'm like, can I think of a single one that's like, would be authentic to life in New York city? Uh, I think it probably, uh, and we could talk about this on a New York episode. I will say that 
what I think that you're thinking is for most people, what is depicted as New York City living is not feasible for most people because it's people who have these big apartments and are well, you know, stacked yeah. on each other roommates. Whereas uh, I feel like a movie like Francis Ha would be perhaps a good that's a good uh version of what it means to like live in New York. You know, it's like bopping from a like apartment with roommates to another apartment with roommates and really trying to figure figure out how to make it work. Like I know it's out there or like I felt that um I didn't watch the whole series, but I felt that like during the first season, girls oh, yeah, well, yeah. you know, really did a good job. Like I felt like when you were in the apartments and girls, like especially I remember like Adam Driver's character's apartment. Oh yeah. I think where the bed was just like the you know, the mattress on on the yeah. floor and you know, it's like there. I'm like, yes, I know that apartment. Sure. I have been to that apartment. But yeah, so that's what I would really like is just more of these authentic and not implying the whole like any red state, blue state stuff. No. But just uh, just stories about the the people, because even if you take the whole aspect of this, you know, mysterious vigil, like fugitive uh, hiding in this boat up in the trees, you still have a story about authentic people, Ellis and his family and and Neckbone and Galen and even what's her face, Sue Ellen, May Pearl, whatever. Yeah, May Pearl. Um, you know, like you take everybody else out of it, even, you know, your junipers. You've got it. I feel like you've got an authentic story here. Yeah. So just, you know, more more authentic stories of the region. Yeah. And I'm definitely I, I, I'm definitely going to be, you know, plugging in more, paying more attention to what Jeff Nichols is doing. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm psyched for bike riders. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I really enjoyed Tom Hardy as oh, well. Oh, Tom Hardy's so. great. Well, and I also will say, like, listening to uh, Jeff Nichols talk for two hours, I I really admire him as a filmmaker and as a writer. Uh, I respect kind of his his worldview and also his methods for filmmaking. And the way that he appreciates his the rest of his team so much really shows and mm. uh, that is, I think, a good way to kind of get into a little bit more about how this is kind of the dawn of the reconnaissance. You know, this yes. is uh, this. Uh, Dan, do, do you know who came up with the term reconnaissance? Um, do I know who? I'm asking you. I, I I know the answer. I'm wondering if you know. Well, wait, hold on. I'm care. I'm trying to remember. I'm not looking anything up right now. I'm just thinking. I'm honestly thinking. Is it someone I've definitely heard of? Yes. Is it someone who I who I like have? Because I feel like is it someone that one of us knows? Unless you know Matthew no. McConaughey, the answer no. is oh, did Matthew McConaughey yeah. come up with it? So oh, on a, okay, on a, oh. on a press uh, on a press junket thing, uh, he was doing like a red carpet like interview thing. He was doing for Mud at a film festival. At this time, he he had just finished shooting Magic Mike. And uh, mm-hmm. he, w- let's see, what else was going on right before like when, this? This was, was like Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club was 2013. So the Lincoln right. Lawyer was 2011. Uh, he did Bernie and he did Killer Joe in 2011. And before that, he did like Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, Surfer Dude, Tropic Thunder, Fool's Gold. And, uh, you know, somebody like said to him, like, you know, Oh, this is, you know, you're kind of going back into a territory that you 
you know, kind of been in before. And he said, like, I don't remember who said it, but someone was calling it and he was making it up on the spot, but wanted to seem like he wasn't making it up. And he called it the Maconnaissance. And uh, what a clever portmanteau that is. And it it really, it really stuck. That was good marketing on his part. And uh, yeah, so this was at that time where, you know, Mud, Magic Mike, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar. I mean, Mm. it was really like that chunk right there that was just in this two two year phase and and also True Detective. Right. Well, and he also like I think between True Detective time is a flat circle and the Oscar. He won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Yes. So, and I think, I think right after that was like, was Interstellar. Interstellar. And then, you know, he did like Kubo and the Two Strings and he's done the, like the Sing movies and stuff, but, uh, oh, yeah. and he did, uh, Beach Bum, which was a Carmody Corinne film and, and, you know, 2019 also had the gentleman, but I feel like those weren't as like big of hits as, you know, he was getting in the, the early 20 teens, 2010s. No, no, that I mean, uh, but like, you know, just kind of like the the couple of things he did before Dallas Buyers, you know, like Mud uh, and and then that Oscar for for Dallas Buyers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, also, you know, it's just high profile Wolf of Wall Street. Like, I know he didn't have a huge role in that, but he had a great scene. In he that. had a memorable role. And that's what's important. Yeah, yeah, Exa- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan. As I was kind of going through the Matthew McConaughey roles, I was really tickled by a lot of uh, the names of the characters. And I don't know if right now you're looking at his filmography, but I'm going to ask you to close that if you are, because I got a little bit of a quiz for you. Oh, okay. All right. We're we're not we're 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 fine. We're we're fine. We're All right. So I didn't get too far into. Okay. So Dan, in the chat, I have sent you a list of a bunch of Matthew McConaughey movies. I believe there's 12 of them. Oh, you sure have. And I am going to name, I'm going to give you, not in this order, a few of the different character names. And I want you to tell me which movie they are for. That sound good? Oh, boy. Do you think that you can do it? I think I can do it for like at least two of them. Okay, okay. Well, let's start with one that I think is going to be a little easy. All right. In which movie was he the character Dallas? Oh, um, in which oh, movie wait, was Matthew McConaughey the character Dallas? Was that Magic Mike? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, very good, very good. Uh, in which one was he the character Rick Peck? Rick. In the movie, uh, he is re- referred to mostly as Peck. I'm gonna guess. Oh. God, I'm going to guess Fool's Gold. No, sorry, Dan. That one's Tropic Thunder. Oh. <laughs> okay. How about Tip Tucker? In which movie is he the character Tip Tucker? I am once again going to guess Fool's Gold. That's larger than life. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Okay. You pick like most most of these are are the ones that I ha- I've seen some of these. I've seen okay, I've seen about half. Okay. Of <laughs> How about the character Dirk Pitt? I'm going to go with the beach bum. That one is Sahara, Dan. Shit. <laughs> okay. How about Ben Finn Finnegan? Ben Finn Finnegan. 
I am going to go with failure to launch. That one is fool's gold. Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about Palmer Joss? Oh, wait. P-A-L-M-E-R, like the video store, J-O-S-S. Palmer Joss. Yes. Um, Oh, shoot. Hang on. Palmer. Is that contact? Yes, it is. Okay. Well done. Well done. Yes. Okay, how about one, his character is just named Trip. T-R-I-P-P. Trip. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember which ones we've already done. I'm going to go with the Beach Bum. That one is Failure to Launch. Shit. (laughs) Okay, how about Buster Moon? Oh, that's Sing and Sing too. All right. How about Moon Dog? Beach Bum. All right. How about Ward Jansen? Ghosts of Girlfriends Past? That one's the paper boy. Oh. All right. And which one is he? Beetle. Kubo and the Two Strings. All right. And then uh, how about Connor Mead? Ghosts of Girlfriends Past? <laughs> That's all of them. So you got, yeah. I'd say that was like, uh, maybe you got 40%. There's the ones that I've, so of in that list, I have seen Contact, Tropic Thunder, well, Magic well, Mike. I think that in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of not the point. Because, no, 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 no. The point the is that half of so them were ridic- interchangeable. The names are so ridiculous. Like They were ac- actually, even the name from Contact was like interchangeable. Palmer Joss. Tell me that Palmer Joss couldn't have been the name for the guy in Larger Than Life and Tip Tucker couldn't have been the one in contact. It doesn't matter. Dirk uh, Pitt? No, actually, Tip Tucker. <laughs> Tip Tucker could have been, uh, that one could have easily been Tropic Thunder, but that yeah. one's Rick Peck. I felt that also Buster Moon and Moondog could have been, like, if I would have said Moondog, yes. I wonder if you would have gotten... Well, I don't know how frequently you've you've seen, or most recently you've seen Sing or Sing too, but um, it doesn't matter because when uh, I I I've seen Sing enough to okay. know Buster. I would uh, like I that was one that I saw on the list. And I was like, I am gonna know that. Like, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But when, but when I, hear I hear it, I'll it, know it. I am gonna know it. Yeah, Moon Dog, Buster Moon, Beetle, Ward Jansen, Dallas, and actually, Connor Mead, it, Rick Peck, Finn, Trip. Dirk Pitt, Palmer Joss, Tip Tucker. So good. Sing is also uh, co-stars Reese Witherspoon. That is true. That is true. Yeah. yeah uh, let's see. Some of the other ones that he has, I felt like- It's uh, interesting that they had not rom-commed together. I thought that I was very certain that they had. And then I was like, oh no, because I would have totally watched that. The, another one, and I didn't add this because I didn't think that you would have seen it. His character in the movie Serenity, his name is Baker Dill. Serenity, like the Firefly movie? No, 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 or no, the, no. Oh, the the or is that the horror? It's one? Stephen Knight with uh, Anne Hathaway, Diane Lane, Jason Clark, Jaimin oh. Hunsu, Jeremy Strong. It's about a fishing boat captain. Oh, anyway. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Baker Dill. Baker Dill. He plays Steve Addington and Surfer Dude. How to lose a guy in ten days? He was Benjamin Barry. I could have added that one too. Denton Van Zan is his character in Reign of Fire. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Denton Van Zandt. I should have put in there. Yeah, geez, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known what to do with that. <laughs> wow! Uh, I man, knew that if I, I would have said Jake Brigance, you would know what that was from. 
Oh, of course. A T to K. Ah, uh, yes. The Grisham verse. Yes. So uh, thank you for playing along, Dan. That was a lot of fun. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. It was so much fun. I feel dumb now. So Oh, uh, don't feel dumb. Would you feel dumb enough to maybe have trouble getting into a college? Uh, it depends on where that college is located. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I could get in if it was in Orange County. That is our next episode, our friends, Orange County. California. Yeah. Going to California. Yeah, I I haven't seen Orange County in a really long time, so I'm looking forward to revisiting that one. Yeah, uh, looking forward. Directed by Jake Kasdan uh, from 2002. I, I'm going to introduce it as like kind of it's like the Nepo Baby movie because it's got uh, you got Colin Hanks, uh, yeah. Skylar Fisk, whose mom mother is a uh, sissy SpaceX. Oh, okay. Uh, you got Jake Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan, right. who we talked about, uh, director of Wyatt Earp. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that's where it ends. I know Jane Adams in it, Jack Black. Yeah, this one was this one was like right when people were just like. Oh my God! Who is this Jack Black guy? This high fidelity guy, you know? Right, it's kind of right. Like, and it was just get in there and do your thing. This was also yeah. the MTV Films, uh, yeah, right that, around. It was that era. That era. Yeah. So anyway, uh, looking forward to talking about OC, not the OC, but Orange County. Orange County. Well, Dan, as you are on a little teeny tiny boat going down the Mississippi, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Good journey.